Earth podcast with your host, Jake Weaver, engineered by Cedric Swan. Hey, everybody, we are back with another episode of Midnight on Earth. I'm your host, Jake Weaver, and we're here to bring you more knowledge, more light, and more love, and more incredible guests. We have a fantastic guest today. Very honored to have Craig Campobasso on the show, and we're going to talk about his recent books. We're going to talk about his whole life. He's got an incredible life. What a guest. But first... I need you to do something for me. Go to patreon.com slash midnight on earth. That's right. We now have a Patreon page where you can support me directly. Patreon.com slash midnight on earth. All one word. You can go there. There's different tiers of support. Pick the tier of support that suits you the best. And know that by helping me directly, by supporting me through Patreon and becoming a patron, you're helping get the information that is encoded in this podcast out to more people. We need this information out there more. I need your help to spread the word even more to support me directly so I can devote 3 million percent even more than I could possibly devote to this. It will give me the time and money freedom to focus solely on midnight on earth and solely on what we provide this wonderful planet. So go there, check it out, pick a tier that is right for you and know that you're helping this by doing that. Patreon.com slash midnight on earth. And when you're done with that, Follow me on Instagram at midnight underscore on underscore earth. That is the address. You can follow me there. Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, wherever you go to get your podcast, click that button that connects us so you know exactly what is going on. When people like Craig come on the show, you know you get that notification through the ether through magic who knows how it gets to you but it gets there and you know about it tell a friend as well word of mouth is so huge if you do one more thing tell a friend tell someone that you know that loves these type of podcasts bring them here midnightonearth.com okay so here we go we're gonna read craig's bio and we're gonna talk to him here we go craig campobasso is an author, casting director, and award-winning filmmaker. Fresh out of high school, California native Craig Campobasso found himself working behind the scenes for four years on Frank Herbert's Dune. The father and daughter producing team, Dino and Rafaela De Laurentiis, and director David Lynch were Craig's mentors in the business of filmmaking. After he apprenticed as a casting associate on Steven Spielberg's Amazing Stories, Raffaella later hired him to be casting director for the popular Christmas movie Prancer, starring Sam Elliott. Emmy-nominated for casting David E. Kelly's Picket Fences, 
Krang has been casting for more than three decades and is an acting coach in the Los Angeles area. Krang's passion is to write stories that provoke the reader to think, to raise their consciousness, to expand their mind about creation while still entertaining in the Hollywood tradition. Krang directed, wrote, and produced the short film Stranger at the Pentagon, which was adapted from the popular UFO book authored by the late Dr. Frank E. Stranges. After production, the short film collected accolades. In September 2014, it won Best Sci-Fi Film at the Burbank International Film Festival, selling out all 275 seats, a first for the festival. In 2015, it won a Remy Award, at the World Fest Houston International Film Festival for Best Sci-Fi Short. Wow. Craig has appeared on many radio shows, including Coast to Coast AM with George Norrie. He has also been a guest on the Open Minds Talk Show with Regina Meredith and two episodes of Beyond Belief, hosted by George Norrie on the Gaia Channel. Craig has also appeared on the History Channel's Ancient Aliens, where Giorgio Tsoukalos is the main ancient astronaut theorist. And by the grace of the divine and all of our cosmic family, he's here with us today. Hello, Craig. Thank you so much for joining us. You're so welcome. Not Giorgio, but me. <laughs> hey, we're all equal but different, fulfilling these different roles. That's right. And we, we love, love Giorgio. Giorgio. Yeah. <laughs> Who doesn't? I mean, he's amazing. Well, he brought <laughs> so much really high frequency information and energy to mass consciousness. He was able to yes. really take the deep dive on all these various subjects over the years to present these concepts to people in a way that they could digest it. And I think it's so amazing. I love the show and I actually love its sister show, The Unexplained with William Shatner. Shatner. Yes, of course. Me too. Yeah, it's very good. So, but you're here with us and thank, thank everyone. Thank the entire <laughs> universe. I want to talk about your latest two books, the UFO Hotspot Compendium, and the Extraterrestrial Species Almanac. But first, I want to talk a little bit about you specifically. So you have this history. You grew up in Hollywood. And then you developed this interest in the extraterrestrial world, these dimensions. Later, you found out your biological father worked for Project Blue Book. Tell me all about this. That was the most mind-blowing story ever, right? I mean, when I was 12 years old, my mother told me that my father was my stepfather and that they married when I was one years old and that I had a biological father. She didn't know him long. Um, she has sort of found out that he was married and had a kid or kids. Uh, she couldn't remember and so she ended it and she said when i was born he came to the door and she said uh no and just put the door in his face and um and that was the last contact that she ever had uh with him and when the internet came up i tried putting his name in and that kind of stuff i knew he was in the military i didn't know that much more um, everyone who had his his name, I wrote to, they all said they didn't know. 
when I was writing uh, the Extraterrestrial Species Almanac in, I think, early 2019, I got a phone call from a genealogist in Canada, and she said, I'm your fourth or fifth cousin on your mother's father's side, and I, I'm looking for this information. So I gave it to her. And then we just started chatting, and I said, hey, can you find uh, my biological father? And she goes, oh, yeah, I can find anybody. Now, I had already done my DNA, so I knew it was in the system, right? <laughs> and uh, so she she came back to me, and she said, well, I found him. Unfortunately, he passed away in 2006, but this is where he's buried. And uh, so I went down to uh, the cemetery, asked them at the front desk if they had a name of the person that called when he passed away to come pick up the body. And uh, they, lo and behold, they did. And they gave me this gentleman's name. They didn't have a phone number. Came home, looked him up. He lived around the corner from me. How about those Whoa. apples, right? And it said that he was 74 years old online. And so I wrote him a letter. He had a different last name. So I thought maybe it was like his friend or something like that. And uh, wrote a letter, put my picture in there. And a few days later, I got a phone call from this gentleman's son, and he said, my dad got your letter. He said, normally we would think this is a bit strange and odd, um, but you look just like Fred. It's really uncanny. Oh, and I said, no. oh, was your, dad his, uh, was your dad his friend? And he said, no, it's his half-brother. They had different fathers. And I said, you're kidding me. So you're like my cousin. And he's like, yeah, I guess I am. So anyway, I went and I went and I met, you know, my cousin and my new Uncle John for dinner. And I just said, tell me everything about him. It lasted for three hours. And an hour into the conversation, um, you know, my uncle said, you know, he went into the Air Force at 18. He was in the Air Guard before. Um and he moved around uh, a lot. And um, he said, oh, and by the way, he was in that thing that's called Project Blue Book. And I, I mean, my face literally dropped because <laughs> you know, sure. they didn't know. They had no idea what I was writing on the side or oh. doing any of that kind of stuff. And here I am writing my first book for MUFON, the Mutual UFO Network, which is a public forum for UFOs, where he was working for a government forum oh in God. secrecy in Project Blue Books. Now, he didn't know what he did in it. Uh, my uncle has three sons, um, two of them uh, I've met, and uh, they both have told me that they tried to get out of him many times you know, what he knew about UFOs. He said he was very tight-lipped. My uncle said he was the most secretive man ever. And that, um, you know, he, uh, uh, I said, well, obviously, because he never told you about me. Right? <laughs> so, and my uncle was very upset. I mean, he was very upset. I mean, that first meeting, he would just look at me like his face just all aglow going, I can't even believe this. I can't even fathom this. He goes, you're his exact height. You look just like him, you know? And I said, well, go do your DNA. You'll see that it'll connect you up to me right away. And he did. And of course it did. Um, so wow. I, I got to learn, you know, so 
that's about where it ends. Um, he would have been in his early 20s. So uh, we think maybe because he was a very fast typist, my uncle said maybe he was a paper pusher for a general or something of that nature, but we don't really know exactly what it was, but we're just hypothesizing. So. Wow. Well, I, I'm noticing this connection here because you look like your biological father, you're saying same height, same everything. They're, yeah. they're startled. So there seems to be a, a soul group connection. Like the, yes. your, yeah. your biological father incarnates in this dimension to negotiate some of the energies that are happening on the federal side with these higher dimensional beings, whether they're in physical form or not. And then you're also doing that exact same work. So it seems like there's Absolutely. some sort of signature, some energetic signature that's playing out through both of you. It, it absolutely is. And although I never met him, you know, I'm very close to my uncle and uh, his sons and his wife. And uh, and I also have a stepbrother and two stepsisters. Wow. And Fred also, <laughs> he also had a daughter who's older than me, but uh, we, we nobody knows what happened to her, but we all believe that she passed on. So, uh, and nobody has a picture of her, so I don't know what she looked like. Um either but it you know you know you never know going in i helped another person in this in our arena find his birth uh parents and brothers and sisters and it went in the opposite direction right where mine was all happy and positive and all of that the other it went the other way and i didn't <laughs> know because you know you don't know what you know people think ufos they're still brainwashed from you know the uh, 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 the propaganda that started coming out in the 50s to turn people away and laugh at things like that. But now no more because everybody's got a cell phone and there's too many whistleblowers coming out. Exactly. Uh, talking about all of these kinds of things. And the other correlation is, is that I work, I've been working in the film business since I was 15, acting, and then um, I worked behind the scenes on Dune, as you said, and Conan the Destroyer. And then I went into casting. And um, so uh, and, and then later producing and directing. But when he when he left the Air Force, I think he was in between six and seven years and he came back here. Um, he was introduced to somebody who got him into IATSE and he ultimately became the head of construction at Warner Brothers uh, for film and TV building sets. Oh, right. There was the crossover there as well. Yeah. So we both had the same <laughs> sort of strange thing. And then after years of being there, he left and started his own scenic shop and uh he actually built and designed sets for uh, Michael Jackson, Elton John, um, uh, Neil Diamond, uh, Alice Cooper, and my my stepbrother got to go to the Alice Cooper concert. So he actually took pictures and gave me a stick with all the pictures, you know, of what oh. the sets look like that Fred built wow. and uh, all of that. So. That was cool. And he also did the, um, you know, the special with Bing Crosby and David Bowie. Nice. So, well. so he had a very and, uh, prolific built, built career. 
he had a very prolific career and it's it, like i tell everybody it just seems to be in the dna yes right yes and more yeah and more yes. and beyond and more exactly so exactly. tell me though when did you start to take the deep dive into extraterrestrial consciousness like you're in the movie industry you're doing these things was it during that time was it when you were younger when did you really start to open up and really engage with those concepts it was uh age 26 is when it happened for me okay. and i started you know everybody who is uh going to be awakened right it will happen in different ways shapes and forms mine because they needed to shake me up and wake me up in a relatively short period of time to understand the information that was going to be coming through me. Now, I didn't understand this at first, but I went through a six-month period of visitation by three beings. First two months was in the dream state. I just was like, wow, these are just beautiful people. And then I'd forget about it, right? I would just chalk it up to a dream, but it kept happening night after night after night. Then the next uh, couple of months, um, I would wake up in the dream and I'd say, oh, my God, my actual astral body is where they are right here. And that's when I started to take notice. And I would just feel love emanating from them. They never said anything. And then the last two months is I would go through those same two processes. I would wake up in my bed and their astral forms would be standing at the foot of my bed. Wow. So it moved right. from dream consciousness into more of a 3D consciousness. Into a 3D consciousness. And then the real awakening process began, right? Then they brought me back into their dimension. They fed all this golden light into my actual orc field into my astral body and when the body got put back it it totally awakened all my cellular memory of my cosmic lineage and i started all of a sudden um when i would meditate i would say i call it the the universal mind internet where beings from all over sort of pop in and Sometimes they would say something. Sometimes they would just smile. Sometimes you would get the vibration of what they were saying, like, welcome, welcome to being awake. You know, we're here to help, to guide you, that kind of thing. Um, at that same time, they, uh, they actually unlocked my astral body so I could then travel off planet. Oh my and so I started traveling to other realms and other worlds. Now, mind you, this has happened to many, many people. Oh, I'm not, you yeah, know, I, I'm not special or I'm not the only one. Wow. This is a, this is a big awakening <laughs> that is happening with many, many people. And they've all had these same experiences. And I would go there and I would learn from those extraterrestrial realms or those higher realms of angelics, uh, celestial beings created beings which are basically the same and and then sometimes i would speak before an auditorium of, of them of my experiences here well then right? i i would say that just real quick i would say that you are special that's the thing i i know it's all of us and it's meant for all of humanity but the people that signed up to be the frontline soldiers to be the people that came early on to raise that 
yes, they're special. It's yeah. okay. You're special. I love you, man. You're incredible. Well, look, well, look <laughs> the thing is, is you, you can, you know, you can accept it or not accept it. Right. But here's the thing is if you didn't accept it, it would, it would gnaw at you until you did. Uh, right. I just okay. totally went into it saying that, you know, whatever this is, these beings are incredible. Um, all I do is just feel this immense love. My body would just feel like a warm blanket all the time. Right. Because there was so much, uh, coming at me and that kind of thing. And so, so there were many, many other, um, other awakenings during this two year period. Right. And then it all culminated, uh, at a last experience in Mount Shasta, um, with uh the great i am and um and that was pretty mind-blowing i was staying in a big giant room um and i left my body travel i was very high ceiling i went all the way up to the ceiling i'm looking down at my sleeping body on the bed and i see this white snake 12 inches long glowing slither across the bed it bit me right here and my my actual physical body twitched right and then then my uh body was uh separated in my astral body was separated into masculine feminine light and dark and then the i am spoke you know i am who you are you are who we are you are to be what we are in me right and i have to say it's a very powerful voice when you hear that, it's very vibrational, it's very frequency, and and then it fused my body back together, and then I went into uh, back into my body, and I woke up, and uh, you know, and then I just contemplated, um, you know, what that meant. And the next day, I drove up to Panther Meadows on the mountain, which is a beautiful place, and um, on the way down. As I was driving, um, a 12-inch pure black shiny snake was slithering across the road. And before I could stop, my tire ran it over. And I uh, immediately knew that that whole was part of what happened the night before because it's about duality, right? Uh. It was like ridding myself of duality. So the teachings that were coming from the great I am, because two of the beings that were waking me up are from the great I am. They're from the very first super universe, the very first world created that cannot be, that cannot be destroyed or corrupted, right? That this, these information was coming from them, right? So when I came back uh, to uh, Los Angeles, the the main uh, one who was from the I am, he said to me, we would we would consider him like an ultra terrestrial above an arc, like if there was like an arc archangel, something like that, because um, or we might consider them like a paradise sun, which means that a paradise sun is somebody that uh, usually rules universes because they've had so many experiences in other universes as well. So 
Um, I would put uh, him in that sort of category. But uh, during the two years, I wrote a book about the waking experience. And when I came back, he said to me uh, in a meditation, um, uh, he said, what would you say if I told you you just wrote that book for yourself? And I said, then I learned a lot about myself. And he said, now it's time to sit down and write the books that you came here to write. And he said, I want you to sit there with a legal pad and your pen. And I want you to write and write and write until you can write no more. Do not stop. Do not edit. Do not do any anything out of there. And so it became the process was like reading a book that was coming out of my hand. And I and I, I have to tell you, it's Jake, mind blowing. I didn't know what channeling was. I didn't know what automatic writing was. But in my apartment, I had three portals and I only had a one bedroom. So I would write at my kitchen table and I would see the portal open up in the middle um, of the living room. Right. And I would see it vibrating. I, I always was able to see ever since I was a little boy, I could see and sense spirit in the room. And when I was a little boy, it did freak me out. Right. Yeah. You know, and of course, my parents didn't know what it was, so they couldn't explain it. Um, So then the energies, they would come down their energies and they would stand behind me. And in the beginning, like months, my body would ring with chills for like 15 minutes because their energies were so high. So that is where the autobiography of an extraterrestrial saga book series came from. And this is Tehran. He's a Pleiadian and uh, he works uh, at the University of Melchizedek. He's a senior professor who teaches starseeds going into other worlds. And he primarily looks after the ones that are coming into earth. And so we get to see the whole process of, you know, how these beings from all over our universe, other universes, other super universe are coming in to help with the raising of consciousness on Earth. Right. Yes. And um, and and how they get their assignments and what they will look forward to and how how the uh, starseed they go. We call that part the starseed alignment, um, how they actually um, keep track of all the star seeds and help them and assist them and in all of these areas. So now there are some star seeds that will come in with a more of a global mass consciousness thing, right? Which which is kind of what I'm doing. And then there are other star seeds that are just based on raising their own individual uh, soul energy so that they get past duality, and that their heart now rules their mind. So no longer service to self, but service to humanity and service to the universe. Okay. Wow. So, well, I, I want to back you so, up a little bit, Craig, real quick, just to just to clarify a couple things. So this this yeah. these main do- downloads that you received, your main interactions happened between the ages of 26 and 28. And this was a two year yes. period of your life. And right. 
you've always had these experiences since you were younger. So it wasn't strange to you. You, you, it was just amplified. It was just more. Right. Right. And so that way you weren't yeah. scared of it. Maybe like you were as a kid in the past, but this was something you're now older, you're more mature. You instantly recognize the love frequency and engaged with it. That's right. And most star seeds you will notice. Um, I, I did start ha having memories of going and being uh, with them as a child when I woke up between 26 and 28. Not many memories, but what they do is they come at an early age so that when they come later in life, that it's not jarring for the starseed, oh, right? right. You're, you already have a familiarity about them and uh, that kind of thing. So, uh, it, yeah, it's pretty amazing. Pretty amazing. And then you're talking about what you mentioned in your book, the UFO Hotspot Compendium, the Starseed Alignment Program. And that you're talking right. about that we have, there, there's a lot of forces working to elevate humanity. Why are they yeah. so in love with us? Is it just part of their duty? Like they, they just, it's a necessity to their being. What makes us so special that they focus on us, the humans? Well, they're all of their societies and all the star nations and all the fully conscious star nations, they were where we are at one point in time. Right um, now, some of the some some societies were just it started off being fully conscious and some of them degraded that kind of thing. Our world seems to be the experiment. Let's see <laughs> with all the different races. You know, there's so much DNA. I this is what I have said. There will be a day when 23andMe and my heritage will say, you're from, you carry DNA from Sirius A, from the Pleiades, and from Lyra, right? <laughs> I mean, that will happen. I'm not kidding you, because we all have DNA from all over, because these beings have lived here before, and they left their DNA on the planet. They've done upgrades, um, you know, also over the years and uh, things of that nature. And, um, you know, if you uh, look at it like that, so they look at it, at us as their cosmic cousins. And what they don't want is for our government and conflict to blow this planet up. Right. Right. Because this has happened in the universal history before, and they will not let that happen ever again. Right. So there are already forces here that will make sure that that never happens. But also um, uh, they will allow enough for learning, but nobody's going to be able to destroy Earth is like one of the most beautiful planets uh, out there. So. Um, and that we have to learn how to uh, care for her. She's got a soul. She feeds us. She clothes us. She loves us. And we have to give back in, in that sense. I mean, you know, all of the American Indian cultures uh, all have that belief system as well. And now we just have to sort of spread that out uh, for everyone else. So, so they're really here to make sure that we make it to the fifth dimension because that's where we're heading. We've yes. already crossed the threshold, right? 
and um, and that they're they're shepherding us there, you know, through all, all of these different consciousness raising programs. So it seems like though that even though we're carrying all of this DNA from various races across the universe, that perhaps there's even something more special about the humans themselves. I've heard theories that we're able to contain more of the divine spark process, more of the God energy, in addition to having emotional experiences. What are your thoughts about that? Because it seems like if there's extraterrestrials with polarities of intentions, both good and bad, that it seems like there would be like some sort of emotional attachment behind that. But a higher being maybe wouldn't have that emotional attachment or we're supposed to be the only ones that have these emotional situations. What do you think about all that? Well, fully conscious beings still have emotions, right? They just know how to deal with them, right? (laughs) There's even in fully conscious worlds, there, there are still conflicts, but they have angelics, they have ambassadors, they have all of these that go and help people work out their stuff in a really um, uh, manner where uh, there will be a resolution instead of a fight, right? Okay. And um, we, because, um, because when our emotions are, what we're doing is we're finding an equilibrium to bring them into harmony through our chakra system, right? And then when we when we bring that in and we start to work on ourselves, then we pull in five more chakras from the top and they come in and then all of the seven chakras merge into our heart chakra. And so it's all the rainbow colors and then there's a pink light around that for love. And then these other, we could call them Budaic, we could call them Christ chakras, whatever your belief system is, or fully conscious chakras, they come in. And then once you start to anchor those and you work with them, then you become full, you start to become fully conscious, you start moving more towards a 5D. And that, uh, that in your whole Kundalini and your whole chakra system, that is what helps you to ascend. So a lot of the other races don't have that. Well, the fully conscious beings don't need it because they're already there, but it is the more like what we would call the more technological races that are more scientific. They lost the ability to do that. So they need Uh our DNA to construct that back into their body because they don't have emotions anymore. They don't have all of that. You know, we don't want to, you know, here's the thing. We don't want to ever rid ourselves of emotions. That's what makes us human. But what's beautiful is there, right? Yes. You actually have, uh, because you are telepathic and because you are fully conscious, if you and I were having a conversation there, I could say, you know, uh, I could say from my, from my mind to your mind. So, Jake, I went to Alpha Centauri last week. I met these um, amazing beings. And then what I do is I 
also share my feeling body with you. So you feel what I feel, you see what I saw, you experience what I saw. So it's as if you had the experience yourself. That's all a big part of telepathy. So there, you can't hide, right? You can't hide your feelings. Everyone <laughs> knows because you're you're there. Everyone is in this thing. Now, what you have to realize, though, is that if you're feeling something or, you know, uh, maybe somebody is feeling something towards somebody, uh, you know, that they didn't feel that something went down that was fair, um, they would have a conversation with that person until they worked it out. And if they couldn't work it out, then they would find a facilitator and that kind of things. Things of a cosmic nature on a bigger scale would go to the angelics that are covering that area of the universe or your galaxy. Um, then there are also, you know, amazing races like the Octarians, Syrians, Pleiadians who have amazing ambassadors as well. Oh, definitely. Uh, help with with conflicts. So doesn't mean you're not going to have conflicts. We do know that fully conscious beings or created beings even um, can be corrupted. Well, because, I want to ask you about uh, that. I actually wanted to ask yeah. you about that specifically. Um, okay, so created beings, you talk about in your book, both your books, actually, these created beings, they're not angels, but they're coming from source. There's, there's not like a gestation process between two biological organisms. And, and you no. mentioned there's, there's no belly button. They're just created beings. Right. So how, like what happens to a created being, an angelic being, a high frequency 5D being that could corrupt them? It seems like if you were existing in that bandwidth of life, just your consciousness is there, that it would seem like it would be uncorruptible. But yet there's these well, stories you, of this you happening. You would think that. You <laughs> would think that. Now, now, what's interesting is because one of the main themes throughout the autobiography of an extraterrestrial saga books is the is personal duality and the greater universal duality, right? And so it is uh, in those books that it explored um, the uh, relationship between Lucifer and Archangel Michael, which are the uh, are polarities. But uh, Lucifer at one time uh, was the constellation father for where we live here in this constellation, which is known as Satania, right? And so um, he was corrupted because Michael, Gabriel, all of the uh, big, uh, the, the higher angelics who really sort of govern the universe, and then it trickles down all the way through. Lucifer is a created being, which was basically created by Michael, right? But Lucifer believed that they were putting on a facade that they were really created beings okay. putting on a hoax so that they could rule the universe. So that's why he rebelled in the beginning. Right? So if anyone finds those storylines very uh, interesting, they're played out in the book series. And I will tell you, um, book one and book three are heavily into well, book three, especially 
um, you know, you will find out all about the Lucifer rebellion in uh, book three because he's actually put on trial for soul death. Oh, and, fantastic. Uh, well, yeah, we don't have to and, tell people yeah. what happens, but we will tell people to nah, check will. out uh, those books. <laughs> but I, it just seems, it, it struck me when I was reading those two books, uh, the UFO hotspot compendium and your ET almanac, the extraterrestrial species almanac. When I was reading those, it, it just struck me. It's like, okay, so you're this high frequency being. You're, you're literally interacting with source. I mean, it's like just a couple degrees away from your being. And yet somehow there's something attractive about lower dense experiences and, and it sucks you in or like in what you're saying is there's an emotional response, a jealousy and envy and anger that, that creates that rebellion. But it, it just, it's hard for me as a human. I'm like, wow, you, you think you, you ascend to that point. Like, like you want, we're looking up to the angels that are like, wow, you know, that's like a role model you could say almost. And yet right. within that, within that existence, that, that bandwidth of existence, there's still things that can be corrupted. There, abso there absolutely is. And, um, you know, you have to remember when you're immortal and you live for a long lifetime, um, I mean, how is it for them? I mean, if they get involved with uh, mortal women or, or female uh, or goddesses get involved with male men and they have children and offspring, you know, they have a certain amount of time with that family, right? And that's about it. So you can imagine, you know, their lives have seen many lives uh, throughout all of that. So um, so that's why they try to keep it interesting and they all do different jobs. They swap different things and, you know, sectors of the universe uh, from time to time. So so then what are your thoughts about the true story of Jesus, this figure that's been kind of collected within world mythologies and religions? Was he a starseed? Well, I'm going to leave that for the readers of the book. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> well, we'll definitely yeah. talk about that more. It's in there. Yes, definitely. Yeah, so, so tell me more about the guidance that we're receiving from these positive extraterrestrials. Cause we get, we're going to talk about what makes an extraterrestrial low frequency or high frequency, but let's talk about the high frequency beings that are guiding us. Tell me about some of the things they're doing to activate the human race. And you also talk about how there's fleet ships and various points around the world, just kind of yeah. hanging out. So tell me about that. Well, there's there's lots of ships that, that come from the fully conscious beings and that kind of thing. We do have negative uh, beings that are here that were invited here. So there's nothing that they can do that about those because they were invited by the government and they're working with the government. Our the government or governments uh, around the world? Governments around the world okay. as well. Um, and, uh, you know, because they sort of they dangle technology and things like that. And basically what they say um, is uh, you have to deed us land beneath the land and uh, therefore we can come. But what what they don't know is that they can come in drones and you don't know how many of them there are. Right. So the um, there's uh, lots of different ships that are, you know, in and around uh 
the planet um, in Valiant Thor's uh, complement, their their station in 287 locations in right. and around the Earth. There's uh, all of the other fully conscious. I, I call the big the big conglomerate, the Galactarian alignment of space, peoples, and planets, because it's an alignment of consciousness. That's how they gave it to me. They don't call it the Federation. We call it the Federation or the Confederation because that's how we learned of it from (laughs) watching Star Trek. Right. right? Yes. Many, many speakers on this subject do talk about the Galactic Federation. Right, right. So they call it the Galactarian alignment of space, ah. peoples, and planets because it's an alignment of consciousness. Okay, that right? sounds way less human. So, I, I, I feel that's yeah. like the real deal right there. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> so anyway, so they they are watching. They're just making sure that other uh, negative beings don't get in uh, in on our planet that aren't allowed here. Uh, that kind of thing. Um, uh-huh. and, uh, because, you know, we're, again, they're really the trying to, in, in all the dimensions, you know, fifth on up, you know, even the, the light beings are working with individuals and their own, and, and will go in and influence their personal consciousness to raise their vibration as well, especially in star seeds, because those star seeds already know what that vibration is in their soul. So when they go to them, they know those star seeds know that they're receiving this in these intuitive hits, and then they will act upon them. And that's how they will raise their vibration. And those beings will continue to work with them. So that's some of the strategies and techniques they're doing. They're surrounding us. They're also working with the star seeds that are here. But why are there low frequency beings? Like why are there low frequency beings with advanced technology trying to thwart our development? Why? Why are they so interested in us? Why would they waste their time? Why, Why are we so cool that they would do that? Well, number one, they want our DNA right to further their agendas into ascending even the evil beings want want to get into those dimensions and isn't that funny they'll try they'll try (laughs) anything to get there i I don't uh i don't believe that it would work honestly but they will try it um but you have to remember that this planet has a lot of resources right um they want all of those resources um, they want control of as many planets as they can get their hands on for whatever, you know, each of them all have different private agendas and, um, we can't know them all. Some might just blow us away, uh, if we knew, but, uh, you know, the, but the main thing is, is they don't want us to grow. They want to keep us dumbed down because if we're dumbed down, then we're not smart enough to beat them. Right. We then raise our vibration and they're where they're at. They can't even influence us or hit us because we're up here and they're down here. We're not, we're not even matching frequencies. Okay. That's right. And then they, then they basically want to leave the planet because 
they can't take the high vibratory uh, rate that the planets uh, you know, uh, <laughs> frequency now. So wow. <laughs> so then, what governments do you feel like are being controlled by these beings? Is it all the big ones around the world? Is it the ones where we clearly I, see? I, I I wouldn't even know, but I and I'm not even going to hypothesize. Okay. But, you know. Um, uh, I would assume that they would approach all governments and see what they could get away with. Right. right. And like you said, dangling the cherry of the advanced technology, which of course, right. many people have talked about the explosive growth after the Roswell crash correlating with, you know, yeah. what was fed to leaders of yeah. industry. General Corso, of course, talks about this. Yeah. Um, Wow. Like, you know, I, mm -hmm. I don't even know what to say about humanity, why we would do that. But it, it seems that what's going on now in Earth's history is, is related to the influence of these negative entities like this. It's true. Yeah. This fear, well, this see, all if, they, the, if if a if a, a glow one government gets technology over the other ones, then they control the planet. Right. Right. So. It might be that these ETs are controlling it from the background, but then these governments that are infiltrated also by these ETs can also control the masses, right? So there's so many different, um, you know, hypotheses and things that are out there. But, you know, I tell people don't like make this make you crazy. Don't go no. into a negative spin. The, the best thing that you can do is work on yourself spiritually and raise your own vibration, and which will help to raise the vibrations of the people around you as well. So, you know, and, and that's just by example. That's not by forcing it on them or anything like that. Yes, that's something we talk about quite a bit on this podcast. The only part of the universe you have complete control over is yourself. That's it. The, oh, that's right. And that's so right. if you want <laughs> things to be correct, just correct yourself. That, that's all you could do that's right. because the world is Absolutely very large right. and expansive. <laughs> um, but that's true. That work is a collective work. And it seems like, and we've talked about this with other guests that the earth itself has its own destiny. You send yourself as a living being, it's magnetic field, it's story is an evolutionary story. So it's pulling us forward into that United Earth, the next higher frequency bandwidth on its own, whether we're aware of it or like it or think we have control or not. It right. seems like that's just happening anyway. That's right. Yes, absolutely. Absolutely. So that is a hopeful perspective because what it says is, is that no matter how hard these forces try to subjugate humanity or the human will or human expansion they can't it's impossible it's a futile effort because the earth itself is so much more powerful than their consciousness whether individual or collective right absolutely so when we talk about the fleet ships that are around the world i just want to clarify for our listeners why can't we see them with, like normally, why can't we look up? Is it because they're using cloaking technology? Is it because they're vibrating in a different way? What do you think about that? Well, they're usually tucked away in the fourth to fifth dimension. Uh, when you a lot of people see like plasma or they see lights like doing this right uh, in the sky, that's sort of their ionization that they might be coming through and um, 
uh, materializing in a shape or form that they want to. That's why they can go from the size of an atom all the way up to whatever size their craft is, right? So, um, you know, they have the, this very, very advanced technology. So I, I say that, you know, they have, uh, they have the source gene or the God gene, which means they can do and create anything at will because they are already at one with the universe. They're right? literally using God as their technology, to put it simply. They, they are. Yeah, they don't call it God. They, I, I think they would, they would call it uh, source or they would call it more sure. uh, creation or, you know, something like that. But, but we like calling it God. I like calling it God because, you know, we're all brought up that way. Yeah, it's a, it's a term, you know, it's been, yeah. you know, kind of uh, captured by religion. But, yeah. you know, I think we all know what it means. That mysterious thing, that source, the all, whatever that is. Yeah. Nobody knows. Everybody, a lot of people think they know. Nobody really knows right. what that is, but we know it's there. Yes. And you had your own experiences in Sedona, Arizona with some of these beings and you took pictures yourself. You kind of mentioned that briefly in your UFO hotspot compendium book, but I want you to expand yeah. on that more. What did you see? What pictures did you take? What happened there in Sedona? One of the most powerful places on earth. Well, this, this the UFO hotspot, right? So again, it's a move on book. And when they approached me to write it, um, they said that uh, the head of MUFON would send out a thing to all the MUFON state directors to nominate their favorite places in the U.S. and Canada. So we compiled all of those. And then I went through and uh, picked all the best ones and then added in a few of my own and then went to town Um doing a deep dive into the latest Project Blue Book or MUFON investigations, um, working with uh, MUFON uh, directors of the past and present as well in some of these things. But Sedona, I love because I've been there many, many times. And uh, when I was on Bell Rock in uh, 1998, um, uh, I took some pictures and what uh, came on the pictures were these gigantic orbs of milk white light, and they all had this design going through it, and it had uh, like iridescent colors. Really beautiful. Like it would be, I'm five nine, and the orbs were as big as up to my shoulder. Wow. Right? That's how big they were. There's one picture in the UFO hotspot. There's another picture with an orb bumped up against my body, right? And it totally molded to my body. Now, I, I showed those to several uh, big psychics, including Sylvia Brown, of course, when she was alive. And every single one of them said the same thing. That is angelic consciousness. Wow. So I was also photo. Those were also photographed uh, when I was in Santa Monica. And then when I was making Stranger at the Pentagon, um, we caught the giant orbs again in the actual soundstage. 
And then in some pictures on the soundstage, we had an orb storm where there were thousands of orbs, one on top of each other. So <laughs> there seems to have been a whole lot of um, spirits that wanted to come around and see. Now, orbs can be, you know, it could be that it could just be spirit. It could be could be a, a ET energy if they wanted to uh, do that as well. So um and then another time when I was there and I was driving towards Bell Rock and Courthouse Butte, I saw a large metallic orb flying along the side of the road coming towards me. I was so blown away. I grabbed my cell phone and I was able to get two pictures of it. And so I put it in uh, the UFO hotspot as well. Now, there's so many wild stories that I could tell you of people that I've talked to in Sedona, seeing ETs. I didn't put this in the book, but once I was in a restaurant for the Harmonic Convergence Part 2, I brought three friends with me. I said, I want to go to this restaurant because I have Mediterranean food. And so we were sitting there, and, and at the next table was a very tall, giant man. His feet were like, 13, 14, they were huge. He had long blonde hair. He looked like a Pleiadian to me. And the girl that was with him, also, I was just like, those. they are not from here. I know that they are not from here, right? And so I, I thought, I'm gonna get a picture of them, right? So I got my camera. And I have my friends, I say, oh, just get close together. But I really shot over their heads to get them on film, right? And um, and then the girl put her hair all in front of her face and she turned and I heard her say, no, you can't do that, right? But I did it anyway. Now, of course, I developed those pictures. They were on the thing, but I have no idea where those pictures are today. Oh. But. What was fascinating, because I've tried to find out what was, maybe she came and zapped them, you know. But what was fascinating is the guy seemed to be like, maybe this was his first time. He was having the best time, like playing with the fork, trying to eat the food, you know, that yeah, kind just of trying thing. to experience and, the human, yeah. like, wow, I'm on this planet. They have these yeah. utensils and they it eat was, this stuff. It, Whoa. It, it was very, <laughs> it was very interesting. Cause of course it was a vegetarian restaurant. And then I said to my friends, I just wanted to see his reaction. I said, Hey guys, did you ever see that movie? Uh, the, uh, brother from another planet. And then the blonde guy just starts laughing and the girl is like totally wigging out. And <laughs> um, and they they you know, he finishes food. They hurried out and they actually got on a motorcycle, which was a sure tail sign, because um, most ETs, when their ship is out in a remote thing, they do have motorcycles and cars. They will take a motorcycle because they can go through the desert terrain. Right. Right. So like Victor One, Valiant Thor's uh, ship, it had uh, cars, boats, motorcycles, all of that. And uh, people Val was in contact with would buy those things for him, you know, and uh, those oh. were uh, put in his ships as well. So it uh i just found you know it very very fascinating but i will tell you the coolest place 
And I'll just name off a few things so I don't spoil it for everybody. In okay. Case you want to get the hot spot? Are oh, you do? Everyone yeah. needs to get this book because but, just to yeah. point out, it's it's not only like a hot spot compendium of all these great places. It, it's also a deep dive into the history of UFO culture. You get the entire story. Yeah. And I learned a lot actually, personally, I'm pretty versed in these yeah. things yeah. and I actually learned a lot. So yeah. go ahead. I'm sorry. Yeah. Good. That's great. And at the end of each chapter, you will find out what the, the latest findings were from Project Blue Book or MUFON, um, other investigators, um, you'll find out what you can do when you go to that area. And if it's a remote area and you need a tour guide, I give you the person to call that will take you there. Like I'm about to tell you about the Bradshaw Ranch. Yes. You have to have yes. a guide take you to the Bradshaw <laughs> Ranch. It's in the middle of nowhere. It's outside of Sedona in the Verde Valley. And, um, I uh, I talked with the investigator who was there working with Linda Bradshaw uh, for four years. And um, during those times, they um, experienced a ship landing and greys coming out and wandering the property. Uh, they heard their dogs barking one night. They went outside. The dogs were looking up at something barking in a circle. And they heard hissing, like really scary hissing. And so they got the dogs in. The next morning they went out, they they found reptilian footprints right where they were. So they were definitely camouflaged. Um, there was an albino Sasquatch that visited the property nightly. That, that was good. And she called her um, Big Girl. Right. right? Yes. And, I remember from the book. Um, it, yeah, and Big Girl ended up having a, a baby Bigfoot at a certain point, and she protected her mare yes. because her mare was pregnant and aliens were stealing the fetuses of other mares on other neighboring ranches, right? Now, her son was coming home one night, um, and I have to tell you, when you're going through this sort of wash, which is not a road, it's just dirt, there's just brush bushes all up and down the side. So it was kind of frightening in the pitch blackness because anything could jump out at you. Right. And, um, and one night he was uh, bringing a friend home and this like four, I think it was about four feet tall. Uh, it was like a miniature horse with a cat's head and its fur went all the way down to the ground. And it stopped, it looked at them, and then it continued walking across the wash into the other stuff. Now, they also found out at the same time in another state that that same creature was also spotted, right? So now Bradshaw Ranch is like a multifaceted vortex of energy. The veil, the thin veil there is so thin that even a person who has no ESP will feel it, wow. right? And let me tell you, when I was there and I felt it, I literally was freaked out because I could see all these things and dimensions looking back at me, and I did not have a great feeling about it. And this was in the middle of the day. Do, do, do right? you feel like it was too chaotic? Like, like there was just too much interfacing of dimensions and beings in that place? It was. It was. It was stuff that I didn't understand, 
right? Okay. Like how I'm explaining it to you is the only way that I can describe it. Yeah, yeah. Um, that kind of thing. But um, also the son, when he would videotape or take pictures, a dimension would open up once they saw uh, dinosaurs walking around. Like, so you have your camera, you lift it up, you see dinosaurs walking in here. But when you look over the camera, there's nothing, right? So uh. they also uh, found, and one time a telephone pole was in the middle of nowhere, right? Um, the By the windmill on the property, people had a lot of missing time. There was, I believe it was Japanese investigators there. Some guy disappeared, went, went missing for a couple of hours couldn't find them. And then he was just back there. He had no idea what, where he was, what happened to him. Well, I just want to um, tell people though, that this Sedona is a powerful place. Sedona, Arizona. I personally took a UFO photo there on vacation. I took three frames. I was standing at one of the vortexes uh, and I was like taking a shot of my son and we didn't know it until we got to my partner's mother's house and we're looking at the photos and one shot, you know, there's my son shot. Number two, there's my son in a big UFO. And then shot number three is my son again. Oh it's mind blowing. God. Yeah. You got to catch it in that millisecond. Yeah. Right. It will, it will allow you to take, if it wants you to take the picture, it will allow you in the, in the clicks that you're doing it, it'll come through on one of the pictures. Right. Wow. So they allowed you to take that picture. So, and it's that level of consciousness. I mean, we, we, we've had such a dense conversation. There's so many things, but you talked about the, the universal internet and that's something I think as well, because when you have these beings contacting so many people and it's such a valid experience, it's, it's real. You start to reverse engineer that and say, okay, well, how is this happening? And as electromagnetic beings, we're able to pick up information. I mean, we're antennas, we're living energy. So right. they're yeah. able to use that technology to send that information down and they can even calibrate it enough to know when you're taking that picture and to allow it. It's absolute. It's absolutely true. And and beings that are connecting into source and that are connected to source, the heart and soul of the universe. Right. When when you are um, working on yourself and becoming fully conscious that this information will be downloaded a lot quicker into your mind. Like in the beginning, when they started downloading into mine, they told me we're putting it in because we're giving you so much information, we're putting it in like capsulated pills. And that when the information you need to come through will come through at the time that you need it so your mind's not bogged down with so much information. I see. Yeah. So how do you feel about this? What about starseed people? that kind of do a energy hack, you could say, and perhaps take psychedelics or other plant medicines to expand their consciousness kind of past where their normal place is and, and integrate new information because they're able to interact with those beings. What do you think about that? Like, are, are they, should they not do that? Is that a kind of a, a way to accelerate learning? What do you think? Well, I wouldn't want to do that because of, of all the things that I've seen. And I'm like, what would happen if I did that? I don't want to know what I would see. Now, I, I have had friends that have gone 
you know, and then uh, uh, what's the, you know, when they drink the elixir. Uh, ayahuasca. Ayahuasca. Yeah. And they said they would never, ever, ever do it again. Really? I've heard both yeah, sides. I've actually were. heard that and I've heard both yeah. sides. And yeah. and yeah. is it so just too I, overwhelming or? I think it's too overwhelming. Okay. You just lose, you lose control of self in uh, that kind of thing. Um, but, you know, so I think it just boils down to individual, um, you know, what, what they want to experience and that kind of stuff. And I do think, you know, some people it might open them up more, right? It might produce the opposite effect on other people. So you just, uh, I think, again, it's just individual consent. It, it just seems like as part of our activation ascension process, the kind of polar reaction to all of this doom and gloom and the wars and the, and the negative energy that's happening. And you see on the flip side, you see this rising and ascension of these plant medicines and the legality of them. It, it seems very strange yeah. in addition to other things as well. It's not just that, but that seems to be one indicator. Yeah, for sure. So in your book, like we're talking about two books and we're talking about his four book series, the autobiography of an extraterrestrial saga. I am Thyron, but where did this, you talk about the channeled information and the other contacts that you had in your life, but the information about the various uh, races around the universe, where did that information come from for that book? Did you aggregate different channelers information? Was it some of your own personal information? Where did that come from? That um, I will tell you. So, and I should have put it, in the front of the book, because a lot of people um, don't understand where it came from. I put the information in the back of the book that said further reading. I figured people would get it, but they never got it. So I'm so glad that I can explain it. So I've, I've been studying all of this for a very, very long time. And um, so I've met many contactees. I've met, uh, uh, many hybrids, different types of uh, people. So what I did was, is I went to either the publishers or directly to the contactees themselves who were having face-to-face -face with all these various races. And I got permission to use the information in the book. Now, the publisher only wanted a thumbnail review of each of the races. They didn't want anything totally in depth. So I would read the book, I would interview the contactee or the publisher, and whatever information that I thought would be really, really interesting is I would therefore add it in. So like, for instance, if you wanted to know more about the Clermers, you would see under further reading in the back that you could go to um, ufoarchives.org. And it's the only place you could buy the out-of-print book in a PDF format. So I give everyone where, if they wanted to know more about these races, where they can go and get those books. Um, some was directly from hybrids that, uh, that I know, uh, especially Octurians as well. Uh, Pleiadians, uh, my specialty. That's what <laughs> so, so, you know, so uh, there was that. And, um, 
And then, you know, I sort of left the book off when I went uh, uh, to go visit my friend Chris Bledsoe in uh, North Carolina because, you know, he had a huge uh, uh, UFO encounter where he was taken. He had missing, you know, he was gone for several hours and just uh, the Cape Fear River with another friend and showed me everything where it happened and brought me back to the house that he used to live in. And um, they abandoned it because the minute he got home with his son, the rest of the family, his wife and other three kids were not there. They saw these tall extraterrestrials all of a sudden start walking out of the forest in their backyard towards them as they were running into the house. Now, I heard I heard all of the documentation from uh, Chris Bledsoe, Chris, uh, uh, Chris Jr., from the other three kids, from his wife, everything that they went through. Um, half their stuff, by the way, was still in that house. They just never wanted to go back to that house ever again, wow. right? Because it, it was it, it was frightening, although in hindsight, as with most cases, and I've talked uh, extensively with Yvonne Smith and Barbara Lamb, who are hypnotherapists and put people under who have these kind of abduction experiences, in the end, they realize that it is for some kind of good, right? And uh, Chris felt that, but Chris was also visited by the Lady of Light, which I have that in the UFO hotspot compendium. No, I in the ET almanac. Um, and um, he had a tree in his backyard that would spontaneously combust when she would come around, like the burning bush, right? So there's a picture of me and Chris in front of it. Now, Chris has a book out called UFO of God. Uh, it just came out within the past month. Oh, wow. It's like number one. It's a number one in UFO. I, so I have a feeling I have to have to talk to him. <laughs> oh, yeah, yeah, absolutely. I'd be happy to give you his email and have him on your show. He's oh, I would love wonderful to have him. Guy. He's, just, he's a great average guy. Uh, but anyway, so Chris is telling me while I'm in his backyard, right? He's saying, okay, so Craig, they come walking out of the forest here. Now, I had a Minolta camera. I was not using my cell phone. And I just kept, it was dusk. I just kept snapping picture after picture after picture after picture. So it's all on a, you know, on my disc and my phone. And uh, the next morning when I woke up in the hotel, I'm flicking through the pictures and I'm like, oh my God, I got one of those extraterrestrial beings on camera. Wow. And I put it in the back of the book, right? In the back of uh, uh, the E.T. Almanac book. And um, it had very short legs, a long torso, a longer neck, a sort of longish head like this. And when, uh, when we um, sharpened, the picture because it was all in shadow. We could see it was wearing goggles, which I knew were interdimensional goggles, and it was holding a light source, which I knew was an interdimensional light source, right? And when I showed Chris and our friend the next day, Chris said, you know, that picture never would have happened if they didn't want you to take it. Oh, and, interesting. Um, I, yeah, now I did not feel anything negative from the, uh, those beings, 
right? And and he believes his, you know, his whole experience. You know, look, when you're just leading a normal life and you get abducted, it's pretty terrifying. You don't know what's happening. It does take some time to work it out. And maybe with further, you know, uh, they might not be abductions. They could be an invitation that his soul had already agreed to. Right. Right. So we could look at it in different lights. And I believe that that's the way that he looked at it. So in the back of the book, I I also have um, that picture, which I thought was pretty cool. Yes. And there is some other things that are actually really cool in that book. And that's the section about cosmic law, which I thought was really important because we talk about universal law quite a bit on this show. And you seem to encapsulate it very well, all of the hermetic teachings and a lot of other things, and then add to it. It was really interesting that you put that in there. Can you expand on the cosmic law aspect a little bit? I can. I can. I don't have the book in front of me, um, but, uh, you know, a lot of it, a lot of the other things are things that, that like here, us on earth weren't aware of is that you cannot... um, take someone's DNA without their permission, right? Okay. You can't abduct them and just rape them for their DNA materials. Um, you you can't do uh, those kind of things, you know, because you can't go and create something that would be like them to be somewhere else, you know, clones or different things of that nature. So, um you know, if you want to read what I wrote, if you have it in front of you, I can. I don't, it. unfortunately, I don't have it. I don't have, yeah, it, right in I front don't of have me. it in front of me. All right. That's so okay. Get the book and read it. Yes. That's all more incentive <laughs> to get the book, which we're talking about two different books and his series, the UFO hotspot compendium. So this is an aggregated list of the best places around the country and even the world that have had excessive UFO activity. And it gives you not just the information, but it's a travel guide as well. It walks you through the UFO phenomena. So if you're a person that's new to it, that would be a good book to give somebody for their first introduction into this consciousness. Because really at the end of the day, all of these aliens, these beings, these interdimensionals, these extraterrestrials, they're all working for the most part, except for the ones that are, they're all working on our ascension. So by getting this information to people via Craig's books, you're helping with their ascension. You're helping with all of our ascension because really we're all one and we're not really going to get there until we all get there. So it's all of our jobs to make sure that we all get there. That's right. And we've had visitors like Valiant Thor. I wanted to talk a little bit about that. Valiant Thor, also known as Val Thor, he came and visited Earth and met with President Eisenhower. Can we just tell our audience a little bit about that one? Sure. Um, I met Dr. Uh, Frank Stranges, who wrote the book. It was released in 1967. He met Valiant Thor at the Pentagon in December of 1959. Okay. Um, he again met him in uh, 1961, and they continue their friendship up until his death in 2008. So I met Dr. Frank. It was either at the tail end of 2001 or at the beginning of 2002, um, and I had lunch with him, and then... Uh, uh, and we, we stayed friends 
And uh, somebody called him. They wanted to make his book into a movie. He had told me so many people throughout the years had called him to do that. And they all failed. And uh, he wanted me to go to the meeting. Um, uh, anyway, uh, I like the person who wanted to make it, but they didn't have any experience. And I told Dr. Frank not to do it. And then I just sort of found myself, uh, you know, working <laughs> with him and seeing, you know, I saw how upset he was because it was a dream of his. And so I said, well, look, the book is about little vignettes and things like that. So there's not really the full story. I said, so if you want to sit down with me, you know, every week, once or twice a week, we, we always got together for lunch anyway. So um, and just tell me, your the you know, everything that you can remember. And we did that for quite some time. And then I compiled the script. Um, and then he passed away in 2008. So I scrapped it. And then one of his vice commanders named Teal, um, she uh, sort of uh, came upon my waking one morning and just whispered in my ear, time to make a short film, you know, start a crowdfunding campaign. You'll make over $5,000. We'll do the rest. And that's what I did. And that's how it happened. And anything I ever wanted on the film, if I asked for it, it magically appeared within a day. <laughs> and uh, so it was really amazing. So I made the film to use as a, a, um, a piece to show investors of what it could look like. Right. And, okay. uh, and I'd worked on a few other films like sky captain, they made it into a short film that raised them their money. Um, and I worked with the producer of saw the saw movie. She did that, uh, with the producer and director of saw and that's how they raised their money. So, um, so anyway, but Valiant Thor came on March 16th, 1957. Uh, he was the guest of the U.S. government for three years. They did know that he was coming. And um, he, uh, he came with what we call a divine design that would help eliminate sickness, disease, prolong life. Uh, also, he came to instruct Eisenhower on the ways of the universe also about um, atomics, which were very not only dangerous for our planet, but interdimensional worlds uh, and also for the rest of the planets in our galaxy um, because it sets off these waves. Um, and uh, talk to them again about free energy, uh, all kinds of things. So it was talked that they would have this span of time to work that out. Um, you know, now Nixon and Eisenhower, from what Dr. Frank told me, were for it. It was all the other powers that be that uh, were not for it. So in the end, they rejected it based oh. on based on that it will put doctors, nurses, pharmaceutical companies out of business. Oh, right? my God. So um, so anyway, <laughs> you know. Well, it's just because so we it, would be it, in a different world. We would have a different world. It's a time. Would. It's a timeline split. Perhaps yeah. there was a timeline where they did make that choice. They did. I think that would be awesome if they did. So, so anyway, that's uh, that's a story. Um, won wow. a bunch of awards for you know the short film. Those are the posters behind me. Yeah, Stranger Victor at won. the Pentagon and the, his ship, yeah. Valthor's ship, Victor One. 
Yeah, those are them there. So if anybody, uh, I do have um, all of Dr. Frank's out-of-print books. I have all the posters, Valiant Thor t-shirts at strangeratthepentagon.com. If you tell me, if you email me, uh, either through strangeratthepentagon.com or craigcampobasso at gmail.com, um, and tell me that you saw it on this show, I will, uh, all of Dr. Frank's books are 20 bucks uh, a piece. So what I would do is I would give you all four of his books for $30 oh! for shipping. <laughs> yeah. Wow. So, yeah. What a deal, so, people. Like, man, I think you should take deal. advantage of that. Thank you. I really appreciate it's a, that. It's, it's a very good deal. It is. And then, um, yeah, it's a very, very good deal. And of course, if you're out of the U.S., I would... Uh, might have to find out what international shipping is. That would cost more. And you also have autograph books. You do autographs occasionally yes. as well. Uh, people love autographs. I do. If they, yeah, if you go to autobiography of on anet.com, on the homepage is where you can buy all the um, autobiography of an extraterrestrial saga books. I personalize them all and sign them. If you And then if you click in the bar at the top, um, other books is where you could get the UFO hotspot. Um, my favorite is the... Um, the subtitle, all the places to visit before you die or are abducted. <laughs> <laughs> you know, um, I didn't come up with that. The publisher did. I some, love that. Some people want to be abducted. I know. And then <laughs> uh, and you can get the E.T. Uh, E.T. Almanac there as well. And I always sign them and personalize them. If you buy more than one, just email me through the website and uh, say, you know, I bought two books, uh, sign one to me and sign one to so-and-so. That's and, super generous uh, of you, Craig. Yeah, yeah absolutely. Thank no, you. I'm happy that. to sign books. I love, I love signing books. Oh, we've had an incredible interview. I feel like we could go for another three hours. There's so many things I want to ask you, but, yeah. but we have to we'll have you back. back. Exactly. We'll yeah, definitely I'll have you back. back. For sure. But I want to tell people again, just where to find you. So he said it, but I'm going to yes. say it again. Autobiography of an ET.com. So that's autobiography of O F N A N. So of an ET.com. Then stranger at the pentagon.com is where you can find out about the short film and you can purchase access to it, which I also highly recommend. And his two most recent books are the UFO hotspot compendium and the extraterrestrial species almanac, the ultimate guide to grays, reptilians, hybrids, and really more everything. There's so much going yeah. on in both of those books. If you get both of those books, you're going to understand where these things are happening. And then if you get the other book, you're going to understand who is doing this and why. So together they're actually in incredible synthesis happening between these two books. And then he has his personal story, which could be an episode into itself. We really didn't tackle too much into his personal relationship with Thyron, the Pleiadian and the books that he's written yeah. about that. And this information, there's four books. So check out those books to 
really take the deep dive. And, and this is what Craig is here for. This is part of his life's mission. Why he was sent here is to give all of us this information. So we have to check it out. That's all on Amazon and the various bookstores. And that one's the the autobiography of an extraterrestrial saga. It's all there. If you go to Amazon or Barnes and Noble or his websites, you'll find everything about Craig. And I highly recommend taking the deep dive as we have this episode. Craig, before we go though, is there anything else you want to leave our audience with? We've told people where to find you. We've told people about what's going on. Is there a general message you'd like to leave humanity? We have listeners now in 169 countries. What would you like wow. to tell them? I know I'm very well, honored. I would, I would just say really work on your personal evolution. Don't worry about other people's dramas, problems, all of those kind of things. That's really part of becoming fully conscious is to not uh, not get yourself so invested in them. Um, it, it's good to be invested in people to help them with their own evolution, but not get involved in dramas and all of those kind of things. Stay on, on your own spiritual path because you don't want people knocking you off of yours because you want to grow so that you could do your job that you came here to do. Yes. Expand your service. We're all here That's for the right. service. So we have to develop ourselves to expand our service. And then we all get there all of humanity and yeah. life. And then we're just out there as emissaries of love and light throughout the universe, helping other civilizations that were once like us get to where we're at. It's all very simple and fun. There's a lot of uh, love and humor involved in all of it, just like this episode. So thank you again, Craig, for being here. I deeply appreciate your presence. You're welcome. Okay. Please hold through the outro music and everyone, my God, what an incredible episode. We, we have to take the deep dive. There's so many concepts that we talked about that we just kind of touched on, but we could expand on for hours. So take the deep dive, listen to this episode, check out these books, and we'll see you next week. Midnight on Earth.